Welcome to the Gateway Church Podcast. We're so glad that you're here. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through His Word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. What's up, everybody? I missed you. I missed you so badly, it's not even funny. I'm so glad I get to see you this morning. And, and you probably, about 10 minutes into the message, are going to wish I weren't here. Uh, but you know, you know I am. Uh, I just, whatever the Lord kind of... Uh, my job is just to be a mailman. And um, if he says it, my heart is, I just want to deliver it. And so we're going to talk about something that's a little bit difficult. Um, if you have a Bible, open up to Galatians chapter 4. Brad kicked off our series on shame last week. And he's going to talk about, in his next message, um, godly shame, which is actually a scriptural principle. And I'm really excited about that message because I think it's something we all need to understand better. I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit about the origin of satanic shame which obviously is the opposite of godly shame. And the title of this message is, Who's Your Daddy? Who's Your Daddy? Because what we're going to talk about in this message is an orphan mentality. Even possibly an orphan spirit. I'm going to ask and answer three questions in this message. I hope you take notes. First question is this, what was the original goal of satanic shame? Go all the way back to the garden. Brad took us all the way back to the garden because that's where we see shame show up. What was Satan's goal with his shaming and shame? The answer is simple. It was to separate children from their father. Here's another way to say it to create orphans. This is what he was doing. Isaiah 59 verse two says, but your iniquities, my sin has separated me from God. Orphans are simply children who have been separated from a parent. And I don't know if you know this, but in, in my opinion, the two biggest battles being waged, the two biggest wars being waged on the inside of you are between the flesh and the spirit and the war between the orphan in you and the child of God in you. And I just want you to think about that for a second because we, we, we think a lot about flesh versus spirit. But I, I'm just seeing this orphan mentality and even orphan spirit all over the body of Christ right now. And it's painful to watch. I think one of the, the things, I, and I'm, I'm really not gonna talk about this in the message, but one of the things that, that concerns me with all of this online lunacy between members of the family of God is they're acting, acting like unrestrained children without a daddy. That's what children act like when they don't have a parent to discipline them. And it concerns me greatly not just because of the effect it has on our witness, but because that is evidence that a bunch of these children of God actually don't see God as father because you don't act like that 
when you have a daddy who's always with you. Luke chapter 3, verse 37, I'm going to read part of the genealogy of Jesus that tracks Jesus all the way back to Adam, and I want to show you something maybe you've never seen before. So I'm going to read some biblical names. How many of you love biblical names? Like the, if, do you ever, those of you who are pregnant or going to get pregnant, have you ever had the thought, I'm just going, going to go into the Old Testament, and I'm just going to, I'm just going to pick a, a name I've never heard before because I want my child to be unique. You can do that. I'm going to give you like eight unique names that I don't think anyone else has been named on the planet since this person. I'm not going to read the whole genealogy, just two verses. Lamech was the son of Methuselah. Methuselah was the son of Enoch. Enoch was the son of Jared. Jared was the son of Mahalel. Mahalel was the son of Kenan. Kenan was the son of Enosh. Enosh was the son of Seth. Seth was the son of Adam. And Adam was the son of God. Before the fall, humans were children of God. And then sin came into the picture and created separation between the children and their father. That might sound, sound like bad news to you, but I'm going to give you really good news. God had a plan of adoption from the beginning. Let me show it to you. If you open up to Galatians 4, let's read verses 4 and 5 together. But when the right time came, God sent his son, Jesus, born of a woman, your translation may say virgin, subject to the law. God sent him, Jesus, to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law. Watch the why. So that he could adopt us, the orphans, who'd been separated from him. That's what an orphan is, a child separated from their parent. God sent Jesus to die for us, not just to save us from hell, but to adopt us into his family. This is one of the greatest things about being a follower of Jesus Christ. We have been adopted into the family of God. He becomes our father. The opposite of one who is abandoned is one who has been adopted. Orphans feel abandoned and rejected. God said, I'm, I'm going to do something about that abandonment and rejection. I'm going to tear the veil. And I don't want you just to come and be with me. I want you to come boldly into my presence because that's what little boys and little girls do with a perfect daddy. They don't come in with fear. That's why I went on record pressing and said, perfect love casts out all fear because I don't want anything to get in the way of you running to me like a seven-year-old little boy in your heart. That's what little boys and little girls do. And here would be my question. Is that what we see the body of Christ doing right now? Or do we see them like four-year-olds at Walmart in aisle four when their dad just said, you can't have that toy, kicking and screaming, writhing on the ground, throwing a hissy fit temper tantrum because they didn't get their way. Here's what concerns me. It appears to me that the bride is behaving more like an orphan than a child right now. But here's the good news. Something has been done about that. Question number two is going to be more personal for you. 
Point number two, how do I identify the orphan in Maine? Okay, Preston, if one of the biggest wars being waged inside of my heart, it's not just between flesh and spirit, but between orphan and child of God, then how do I know if there's orphan in me? Well, let me give you a, not a comprehensive list, but just some things. Here's the first one. I know I'm battling an orphan mentality or orphan spirit if I'm insecure. If I'm battling insecurity. Spiritual orphans are not confident in their place in the family. They think every relationship they have is hanging by a thread. And so they're constantly battling insecurity. I told you, you, you were going to wish I was gone by the time we got to this part of the message. This, this, and I, I promise you, please, I am trying to do my best to be as sweet with my tone as possible. And I know that's an area I need to get better because sometimes I get a little bit too strong. I just want you to be able to hear the Holy Spirit speak to you about you. Because this is really important. This orphan mentality might be getting in the way of you being able to walk as a co-heir with Jesus, as a child of God in the abundant life Jesus came to give. And if you're battling insecurity, it's, it's just pointing to you're battling an orphan mentality. L let me ask it like this. When you text somebody and you don't get a response for a while, how do you respond? How long does it take before you get upset? How long does it take before you go, why didn't they respond? Are we not friends anymore? Is something wrong? What did I say? What did I do? Okay, let me just tell you this. That's not how sons and daughters talk. That's how orphans talk. That they're always one text away from a destroyed relationship. Furthermore, that's not how God talks. If you get angry because somebody doesn't respond to your text, it's not because of their response or lack thereof. It's because of your rejection. You feel like they're rejecting you. Second kind of symptom or evidence to point at the orphan in me, I'm performance oriented. Hear me, drive isn't bad. Being driven isn't inherently bad, but that doesn't automatically mean that my drive is godly. What's the why behind your drive? An orphan only feels secure when they're garnering attention due to outperforming their peers or siblings. They only feel safe and secure when they feel like they're doing better than their siblings. Well, what's the other side of that coin? They feel terrible and insecure when they feel like their peers or siblings are outperforming them. Here's another way to think about it. One of the ways you know you're performance-oriented because you might be going, well, I don't even know if I'm performance-oriented. Well, one of the ways you know you are performance-oriented is if you live in constant fear of being punished. I battled this big time back in the day at Gateway in the early years, in my early 20s. Every time I would get a text from Pastor Robert, I, this, I'm not exaggerating, this was my thought, he's gonna fire me. 
I'm about to get fired. I, I hadn't even done anything wrong. Here's how I know, because I hadn't done anything. <laughs> like you can't do anything wrong if you're not doing anything. Like I was hiding, doing nothing. But I, I always heard this voice, you're gonna get fired. Holly was working, she was making more than twice what I was making. We were doing very well for 22, 23 and 25 year olds. And yet I bought a cheaper, we were making more than everybody on staff than Pastor Robert at the time combined. Yet I bought the cheapest house out of everyone and I didn't tell anybody why, here was my why. I was afraid I was gonna get fired. Okay, that's jacked up. That's not how sons and daughters think or talk. That's how orphans talk. And I've gotta be able to recognize the orphan in me. Here's why, because the orphan in me will make the child in me miserable. And being performance oriented is one of those things. I want to, to not be performance oriented, I wanna be obedience oriented. And if that performs or creates some results, so be it. But I don't wanna to perform to earn. If there's any part of you that thinks God will love you more if you perform well, that's not how sons and daughters talk. Only orphans feel they can earn more love by producing or performing better. Here's the third thing on the list that points to there's some orphan in me. I believe I'm a product of my environment. I hear this one a decent amount in counseling and I wanna be really, really, really sensitive with this because I know some have been through some horrific things. And so I don't wanna minimize what you've been through, but I also want to say, wounds can be created in any environment. I'm not saying that your environment wasn't worse than some of ours. But I am just trying to remind you, wounds can be created in any environment. And let me try and illustrate the importance of understanding this. Imagine there was a little girl whose daddy was an amazing doctor. I mean, the best doctor on the earth. And this little girl grew up in his home and saw when people were hurt, her daddy was used to heal them. And he was known for being better than anybody else. Well, this little girl, when she would get hurt, it taught her that when she got hurt to immediately go to her daddy because he would heal her. Okay, you obviously understand I'm talking about God being the one who heals broken hearts, open wounds emotionally. Well, think about how an orphan handles going to the doctor. Orphans don't go to the emotional doctor. And here's why, and they, they definitely usually don't go to God because here's the mentality. God let this happen, which means God made this happen. So why would I go to the one responsible for my pain to heal my pain? And let me just remind you, that's not how sons and daughters talk. If you're a child of God, you have access to the best 
psychologist, counselor, doctor humanity will ever know. But orphans don't go to the doctor. Why? Well, in part because they think they're alone. Now here's what you have to remember as it relates to wounds. Only orphans stay wounded. I know that's a strong statement and please, please, please hear my heart. I, I, I can just tell that you, 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 you sense the seriousness of what God is saying in this message. I can see it on your faces. I'm sorry this is my welcome back message. But I love you. And I think it's possible there might be some things getting in the way. And it's been painful to watch these last 18 or so months during COVID, children of God most high drown as though they were orphans with no daddy. Only an orphan stays wounded. And here's what's sad and, and even scary about that. It's a choice. When you have a perfect doctor and I keep a wound, it's only because I've chosen to stay wounded. He went on record in Exodus and said, I am the Lord, your God, the Lord, your healer. Jesus goes on record and says, come to me. Those of you who are weary and heavy laden, are you carrying a heavy weight pressing? Come to me. I will do something about it. If I stay weary and heavy laden, it's not because he's not good. It's because I've made a bad choice to try and carry it by myself. If you're battling a wound that's been there for a really long time, please hear me. I'm not yelling at you saying you're an orphan. I'm pleading with you and the child of God on the inside of you saying the doctor is waiting to see you. Just go in. Just go in. Don't live another day with this wound. It's killing you. It's costing your relationships. It's about to cost you your marriage. Just go in to see the doctor. I know it's gonna hurt a little bit. Surgery always hurts, but the result of surgery is always worth it. You're not a product of your environment. You're a child of God most high. Here's the next thing on the list. I know I'm battling the orphan in me when I isolate from family. Y'all are like, I wish Preston was more of a liar and did not tell the truth. Some of you are thinking that. I used to be a liar. I tried that path. The orphan in me lied because he was afraid he couldn't get what he needed or wanted if he didn't lie. You know what I learned? My daddy is the truth. And the fastest way to enjoy the abundant life Jesus died to give me is to walk in truth, not in lies. See, the orphan in all of us has a tendency towards evil. That's what Satan convinced Adam and Eve of. This is how you get what you want. You do wrong. When, when daddy, the father, had given them everything they could ever imagine, and told them how to keep enjoying it. Just keep it on the rails right here. Like Hitch, just keep it right here. 
None of this stuff. It's right here. Don't eat from that tree. Don't do it. It wasn't complicated. But the battle between orphan and child started in the garden. You isolate from family. It's one of the symptoms of an orphan spirit. The instinct of an orphan is to go it alone. Why? Because they're convinced they are alone. <laughs> when I was battling this, I, one of my infamous moments uh, in my teen years, my mom and dad sat me down and said, we'll, we'll pay for a college. You just, basically they set out two rules. You gotta keep it on the rails, so you gotta keep uh, a 3.0 GPA, I believe is what it was. And I basically looked at my mom and dad and said, no, I'll, I'll go it alone. And the joke in my family is that independent part of me when I was younger, just wanted to be able to walk across the stage, put my fist up and be like, I did it all by myself. Okay, what idiot turns down free money? <laughs> Here's the answer, only an orphan. An orphan who's convinced he has to prove he can do it alone because deep down inside, for some stupid reason, he thinks he is alone. With two incredible parents and two phenomenal brothers and an incredible support system. But I bought the lie, I was alone and I had to do it alone. And so what do you do? As an orphan, you isolate from family. One of the things I've had to learn in this line of work, uh, you have to learn to be rejected. Uh, Thursday night, you know, I, I, it's been a crazy summer. You know, we were on family vacation. Riley's going off to college next week. We're dropping her off. And, and so we had tried to plan this summer. Well, then kind of the curveball, having to speak in Dallas for a month. Um, and so <laughs> navigating that, I've, I've kind of been out and I come back. I preach Thursday night and it's been a whirlwind. I'm kind of tired, and uh, we got home Monday night and jumped right back into the normal schedule, and, and I hadn't shaved. And to be very honest, I didn't even notice that I hadn't shaved. And so I preached Thursday night with some scruff on my face, but I didn't even know it. And after the service, someone came up to me and said, uh, what's going on with your face? <laughs> and I go, what do you mean? Something wrong with my face? I mean, I know there's several things wrong with my face, but like, is something like, wait, wait something new? Uh, was your ra razor broken? I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, I, I didn't know. And it was, it was sweet, it wasn't mean, but you just have to learn. People are constantly critiquing you and you don't even realize it. And, and you just have to settle in your heart. And one of the things I've learned, and now this was not this person, they, they were just basically trying to tell me, hey, bro, uh, I, I think you maybe need to pay a little more attention. And she was right, I do. I need to pay more attention. I was a little bit out of it. But here's what I would say, one of the things I've learned. Orphans reject you before you have a chance to reject them. Even though you probably never will their biggest fear is that you would reject them. And so they reject you before you ever have a chance to reject them. It's called isolation. They withdraw. You know, one of the things that bums me out about anybody that does that with the family of God, 
An orphan who isolates misses out on the strengths of the family. Don't you see that's part of Satan's plan during all this? Is to try and get you isolated? This is not new. He tries to get one away from the 99. Don't let him isolate you. You don't have to go it alone. And furthermore, you really don't want to. God set you in a family for a reason. And I just ask you, are you leveraging the family of God? Are you getting in on the strength of the people in your row? Or do you just come, show up, and leave? This is a family, not a speech. Here's the last thing that I want to talk about that kind of points out, and this is probably the biggest one, the biggest evidence that I'm battling or you're battling an orphan mentality or spirit is you compete with your siblings. What does that look like? You're threatened by the strength of others. You're jealous of their success. Many orphans, I believe, eventually become narcissists. If you don't know what a narcissist is, it's someone who's intensely focused on themselves at the expense of everyone else. But I I read a new kind of uh, definition of narcissist uh, that a friend gave me. Um, And it's this, someone who is intensely focused on themselves due to deep trauma. Here's the reason I think many orphans eventually become narcissists. A narcissist is someone who self-promotes. We all know somebody like it. You know, they're always talking about what they've done, what they're doing, how awesome they are. Here's why I think many orphans become narcissists. Because deep down on the inside of them, the little boy or little girl is convinced that their daddy is up in the stands, not paying attention to them playing the game. And if daddy isn't watching them play the game, then daddy is completely unaware of their stats. Therefore, every room they walk into, the first thing they talk about is their stats. Because deep down, they're just hoping, since daddy didn't see them get the stats, that daddy will hear them talk about the stats. One of the biggest things I learned about becoming a senior pastor almost a decade ago, I remember when I was a youth pastor, I used to think, my life will be so much easier when I don't have to deal with kids. Just being transparent. It's not that I hated it, it was just hard. You know what I learned when I became a senior pastor? All adults are just kids. That's why youth ministry is one of the best preppers for becoming a senior pastor. Because I've learned 65-year-olds are just five-year-olds on the inside. And I don't mean that disrespectfully. I think it's part of why Jesus said, you can't come to me unless you're like this little child. It's God's way of saying, Preston, I've put a little boy on the inside of you that I want to protect and I want you to protect. But you need to understand the orphan is going to try to kill the little boy in you. Competing with siblings. 
Just think about that. When someone in the lobby tells you a success they just experienced, how do you respond? Do you respond by telling them a success you just experienced? It's evidence. You think this is a competition. And let me just remind you, that's not how sons and daughters talk. That brings us to point number three, the really big question, how do I heal the orphan? Here's what's really funny about point number three is I originally uh, wrote it down on Tuesday as how do I kill the orphan? <laughs> and <laughs> I just told the Lord, he's so gracious. And can I just say you're so gracious All, uh, over these years? I, I, I just, I, I have a tendency to be intense every once in a while. And so, I mean, I'm just thinking the orphan is bad. Let's kill the orphan. That's the altar call. Kill the orphan in you. The altar is a place where things go to die. Kill the orphan today. And I just, I just felt the Lord saying, Preston, I don't want the orphan to die. I want the orphan to be adopted and live like it. Okay, Lord. How do I heal the orphan? Because, because here's basically the way to paint an accurate picture of the orphan in all of us. It's a wounded, hurting little boy or little girl who just wants to be whole. So if there's some orphan in me, how do I heal the wounds of the orphan in me? Let me read you two scriptures just to help you understand this is, this is serious, this is a choice. It's not just automatic when we get saved. John chapter one, verse 12 says, but to all who believed and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. He gave the right to become children of God. Kind of makes it sound like it's not an automatic. And I don't mean becoming a child of God. I wonder if it means living like a child of God. You can be a child of God and not actually live like a child of God. You know what I'm saying? Well, let me show it to you. John 14, 18, Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. Okay, Jesus didn't say you'll stop being orphans. He said, I'm not gonna leave you as an orphan. But just because Jesus said, I won't leave you as an orphan doesn't mean you won't choose to stay an orphan after you become a child of God. Every believer in Jesus has a choice to make. Will you stay an orphan or will you fully embrace being one of his children? couple of things I'll give you just to think about and pray about and talk to the Lord about as ways to heal the orphan in you. Here's my first suggestion. Flip the sibling script. Say that three times fast. Flip the sibling script. The fastest way to empower the orphan in you is to compete with the siblings closest to you. Which means the fastest way to disempower the orphan in you would be to do the opposite. Stop competing with your siblings. Philippians 2 verse 3 helps us understand how to do that. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Holly and I were having our time this morning and we're going through uh, Genesis in my favorite commentary of Genesis. And Warren Wiersbe was talking about in James 3.16, uh, James, he was talking about Jacob and Esau in James 3.16. Uh, 
says, wherever you see envy or jealous, jealousy and selfish ambition, you will find confusion and every type of evil. And when Holly read that this morning, it hit, hit me and I had to read it like five straight times. I, I thought, how, how have I read that at least 40 or 50 times? And I've never seen this in the context of orphan versus child. This is God saying, Preston, if you choose to be jealous of your siblings and you choose to compete with them in ambition, here will be the fruit. You're gonna be completely confused and you're gonna experience evil of every kind. Son, do you want that life? No, daddy. Then don't be jealous. And don't be ambitious. You cannot grow as a son or daughter and allow sibling rivalry to grow in your heart. Here's the easiest way to say this. An orphan needs their siblings to lose so that he or she can win. But a son needs his siblings or her siblings to win because it's the only way he or she is gonna win. I'm tired of the church pitting pastors against themselves. Are we really trying to break up the family? We're on the same team. But even bigger than that, we're in the same family. Let me, let me try and illustrate this. I, I laugh so hard. You know, Brad, who's one of my best friends, Pastor Brad Larson here on staff, uh, he's on a hot streak right now. Like we've been together almost a decade. I, I, and I know what spiritual hot streaks looks like. He's on a hot streak right now. He's hearing the Lord as clearly as I've ever seen while we've been friends. And it's so funny. When, when people watch it go down and, and every once in a while somebody would be like, man, you must be really secure to, to be able to be okay with somebody like Brad being so strong and successful. And I just kind of laugh on the inside because it's not just Brad, there are other very strong members of the staff when Cody was here. I mean, it's, it's just, it happens. And I want you to, to really understand, and I mean this sweetly, that's kind of how orphans talk. Orphans judge sibling versus sibling like it was rivalry but this isn't rivalry, this is war. We don't battle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities in the unseen world. And I want you to understand how I see it. I look over at Brad when something incredible happens through him, when God uses him, and I, I, I sigh, I take a deep breath and just go, that's 11 bodies I don't have to kill spiritually. Well done by you, champ. Thank you. Almost selfishly, as a sibling, I'm like, thank God. You just took out 11 enemies I don't have to take out. Help me understand why I would ever look in his direction, not just as one of my best friends, but as my brother in Christ. 
who has God as a father. How could I look in his direction or any other sibling's direction and be intimidated by what God is using them to do? This isn't rivalry, it's war. I'm not playing a game. And I'm tired of seeing the body of Christ try and pit siblings against one another. And I want to submit this to you, please, please, I'm not trying to be mean. Please don't put your insecurity on me or us. I know who my daddy is. Now, it might have taken me 20 years to get here. But buddy, when God gives me strong siblings, I celebrate. Because I can't win this by myself. This is war. And I love it when my brothers and sisters next to me are dominating the enemy. Flip the sibling script. Let me just say this. If you can't celebrate the success of your siblings, the father can't trust you with the success in the family business. The kingdom is the family business. If you can't celebrate your sibling's success, God can't trust you with success in this business. I'm not talking about vocational ministry. I'm talking about the blessing and anointing of God. I told Brad years ago, God's blessed him in a lot of ways. One of the ways is in business outside of the church, and I love it. Many of you don't know the story, but God said we would be together, and, and we went after him, I went after him, and he was at a company, and they were offering him a ton of stock options and money and all this stuff, and he turned it all down. It was so crazy, my wife said to me at the time, babe, I'm just letting you know I wouldn't let you do what Brad's doing. <laughs> she was kidding, but she was kind of serious. <laughs> and so as I watched it go down, I, I, I was praying back then. I mean, nine years ago, Lord, would you bless him more than anybody I know? He deserves it. He's walking away from all that. Right before the company was gonna go public and, and all the top level employees were saying, you're crazy. Well, I told him years ago, I said, hey, when God blesses you in business, outside, can I be one of the first people you text or call? I just want to celebrate. Because you deserve it. Okay, I, it's not because I'm some hero. Please hear this. It's one of the ways I make sure the snake of sibling rivalry stays dead. When your siblings succeed, you want to please the father? celebrate what God is doing in them and through them. Here's the next thing. Get clear on what kind of father you have. First, he's a father to the fatherless. Psalm 68, verse five. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows is God in his holy habitation. If you feel like an orphan, I have good news for you. God is a father to the fatherless. But you gotta let him. Galatians 4, now in verse 6, look at the second half. Look how God addresses. If you feel like you are fatherless and you're a child of God, you're a believer in Jesus Christ, I want to show you how God addressed trying to keep this orphan mentality and spirit away from you. Galatians 4, verse 6, and because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out Abba, which means daddy, father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. 
Why are we running around acting like orphans when we are co-heirs with Jesus? What he gets in on, I get in on. Every son or daughter of God gets in on. Why are we acting like broke little orphans? Think about what this means for you. If you feel fatherless, like an orphan, like God has abandoned you, but you've given your life to Jesus, you need to understand that God looked in your direction and mine and said, listen, there are going to be some days Satan tries to convince you you're an orphan, but I want you to know I've done something to overcome that. I've put my Holy Spirit on the inside of you. And one of the highest tasks I've given him is to spend all day whispering in your heart what kind of daddy I am and how much I love you so that you will be compelled to cry out, daddy, daddy, I love you. Preston, are you going to start calling God daddy all the time? No, but understand something. I always act like it. I'm never letting him out of that promise. He promised to never leave me or forsake me as my daddy. And the reason isn't because he's everywhere. The reason is because he never wants to be apart from me. He never wants to be apart from you. He's a father to the fatherless. Second, he's a shaper of clay. Isaiah 64, verse eight. But now, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay. This is the infamous potter in the clay passage. Never noticed this till this week. It doesn't say you are the potter, we are the clay. Interestingly enough, it says you are our father. We are the clay. You are the potter. And all we are the work of your hand. Here's what I'd say. Satan's goal isn't just to keep you away from the father. It's to keep you away from the potter. Potters fix broken things. Potters mend broken hearts, broken pieces. Satan was doing it in the garden. He wasn't just trying to separate the child from the father. He was also trying to separate the clay from the potter. If you're broken, go to the potter. He can make you whole. He can fix the brokenness. Here's the last thing. If you really want to heal the orphan in you, stay close to the Father. Don't just stay close to God. Stay close to the Father. Spend more time talking to him as Father. Don't let yourself forget that he's father. Let your heart as a little boy or little girl remain connected to the only perfect daddy humanity will ever know. The only perfect daddy who ever has been, is, or ever will be. The closer you remain to the father, the easier it is to live like a son. But the further my proximity from the father, the more easy it is to live like an orphan. At the beginning of July, when I was starting the, the month of preaching in Dallas and, and all that, that week leading up to the first weekend, I felt like the Lord said, 
Son, I don't want you to get online one time and read one comment this whole month. I'm not on social media, and that's one of the reasons why. But I felt just very, very plainly, he said, son, I don't want you to get online and read one comment. When I shared this with my wife, she said, oh, so that you don't read the negative comments? And I kind of laughed, like, I guess you're assuming there's going to be a lot of negative comments. <laughs> I said, no, honey. I'm pretty sure he was saying, I don't want you to read one of the good ones. And at the end of the series, I felt like he goes, Preston, you weren't picking up what I was laying down at the beginning of the month. Let me paint the picture for you, son. The two of us are as close as we've ever been. And it's like you and I are walking in Central Park and there are a lot of people around and I'm in the middle of conversation with you and you're hearing me say things I've never said to you before. Things you've waited to hear me say since you were 13. And people are starting to see you in the park. And every once in a while, they're coming up to say something to you. And he said, here's what I want to know. Which conversation is more important to you? The one they want to start about you or the one I am in the middle of with you. The orphan needs to hear what everyone else thinks of him or her. The son and the daughter just wants to be close to daddy. And I haven't always gotten it right. I don't always get it right right now, but I am pleading with you to take a look at your own life, to assess your heart and see if there's any orphan acting up on the inside of you. If there is, you don't have to kill him. You just need to heal him because the orphan in you is getting in the way of the father's time and relationship with you. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Paint the picture and make sure you understand it. You were born an orphan. So was I. I was born separated from God, shaping in iniquity, born in sin. So were you. But God, who is rich in mercy and grace, the God who is love, as though he searched the whole earth, looking for this little orphan to adopt, to sweep me off my feet, to sweep you off your feet, Say, sweetheart, I want to spend forever with you. I carry kindergarten pictures of you around in my wallet. I stand over your bed every night of your life, staring at the beauty of my creation named you. 
I took my time personally fashioning you in your mother's womb. I love everything about you. I want to adopt you. I want you to be my child and I want you to live forever as my heir. But I want you to know there's gonna be a fight during your lifetime. The minute I kick Satan out, one of his immediate favorite hobbies became trying to get you out. Every day of your life, you're gonna have to choose to be my child, to see me as daddy, to let me be daddy. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We're just gonna take a couple minutes in the presence of the God of the universe. We're gonna let him be dad. Holy Spirit, I pray right now for every person who can hear the sound of my voice. This is gonna be a really holy moment for a few. Some chains are gonna be broken. Some blind eyes are gonna be opened. Some broken hearts are gonna be mended. Our Father, who art in heaven, holy is your name. And one of the names you made sure we called you as daddy. Holy Spirit, I pray in the heart of every son and daughter of God, you would be prompting them right now in this moment to cry out, daddy. One of my favorite things in this life is when my children are in trouble or need help. I'm one of the first ones they call, daddy. I'm the only one they're able to call and say, there's orphan in you, the doctor's in the room. It just so happens he's your daddy. Let's just sit in his presence as his children. Aaron's just going to sing this song prophetically over us. I pray that the walls of the orphan would come tumbling down like Jericho. Let's be with him. Seek the depths of me. 
Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Gateway Church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Have a great week.